0: Thanks for tuning in to the Durban Memorial Baptist Church podcast. We're a group of sinners saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and here you will hear the word of God. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a pleasure to share the word of God with the saints of Durban Memorial Baptist Church. I think we can all recognize that this is uh, a a perpetually busy season of the year. We had quite the laundry list of announcements of things going on around the church. Uh, I've already participated in four different Thanksgiving gatherings of some kind over just the last couple of weeks. And I have more on the plate this week. We... I had a wonderful time this morning with the breakfast and I want to thank everybody again for coming and for those who helped uh, get everything together so early. But for a lot of us, the busyness is really just beginning over the coming weeks. Our work schedules will be filled up with accomplishing the end of the year. To do lists and the duties that need to take place and family gatherings are going to be had over the weekends. There's shopping to be done. There's turkeys to be basted and decorations to pull from the darkest corners of the basement. On top of that, your schedule may include travel and the end of the year is undoubtedly the perennial heaviest times of traffic, uh, either on the interstate or on the airplane. It is the busiest time of the year. So you got to plan for extra delays, whether you're taking a cruise, hitting the interstate or fighting your way through the airport. This season that is known culturally as a time of celebration is in practicality, a time of great stress. Russian anxiety, really. Well, if you came here this morning and you sympathize or empathize with some of those emotions and those pressures, maybe all of those things that I listed, just know you're not alone. I'm right there with you. I feel the same pressures that you go through, but I do have some bad news this morning. I cannot give you the blueprint to deal with these challenges and to have a stress-free holiday season. I can't tell you how you should exactly uh, deal and respond with your crazy Uncle Bill Jack who wants to bring up some political conspiracy every time that there's a break at the holiday dinner table. I can't help you if your crazy Uncle Bill Jack. However, what we're going to see this morning is the power of God to propel us through problems and prosperity. This morning, we're going to see the heavenly perspective that God gives to all those who love him and know him. It doesn't remove us from the challenges of this world. It doesn't take away all the busyness there is around us. Problems still happen. Stresses still occur in the peripheral. But for the one who has been reconciled to God, the focus is elsewhere. The challenges are very real and they do exist, but they pale in comparison to the focus on glory. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter three. We've been walking through the book of Colossians for some time now. This is actually the 11th week that we have been walking through this book. And this series has been entitled Living the Christian Life. Because in all actuality, the the book of Colossians is a very practical book and could in many ways be seen as a Christian manual for daily living, if you want to uh, look at it that way. As a bit of refresher, I want to catch you up on where we're at in the book. The first chapter of Colossians is deeply theological. It gives us an image of who Jesus is and the greatness thereof. Jesus is much more than a man and much greater than just a teacher. He is the co-eternal second person of the triune God. The truth of Jesus Christ is glorious and worthy to not only be proclaimed, but to be protected against those who would seek to blemish the glory of Jesus Christ. The second chapter of Colossians continues with this theology and it shows us that Christ is the savior who took the debt for uh, owed by sinners like you and me and and, uh, and he paid its cost on the cross. The faith in Christ we share through faith in Christ, excuse me, we share in his victory. At that point in chapter 2, it changes to a polemic. That's an argument against false and man-made religion. These are belief systems that are dependent on your personal ability to uh, have performance and and to uh, meet up to a certain standard. These are things like humanistic philosophy, uh, legalism, mysticism, and asceticism. We looked at those things for the last few weeks. Such things have the appearance of wisdom. They look really wise from people watching from the outside, but they are really just self-serving and get you nowhere. Today, we're picking up in chapter three. And chapter three is very interesting because this section that we're in right here is bridging the gap from theology to practicality. We will see the glorious hope that fuels the Christian life. Read with me beginning in Colossians 3, verse 1. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. The first thing that we should notice in this verse is the very first word, if. If. If you want to take notes, I call this the big if. The big if. It may sound like a hyperbole or an exaggeration, but everything we talk about this morning depends upon this little two-letter conjunction. You see, this little two-letter word introduces us to a binary reality. It's the great delineator. It is the separator. Everyone reading this text has an evaluation and a determination decision to make at this very point. It's either a yes or a no. It's an in or an out. The subsequent outcome depend upon your status in regards to the initial condition. I know that was a lot of words. But this if is important. Paul writes, if you have been raised with Christ. The question that we must ask ourselves at this moment is, have I? Have I been raised with Christ? Sounds like a strange question to the everyday person. What could it possibly mean to be raised with Christ? I woke up this morning, I rose out of bed, and I've been all about it all day. Well, I'll explain that in a moment, but I do hope that I have your attention because we have to note the importance of our response to this question. If you have not been raised with Christ then the life vision, the seal and the hope that we're gonna see throughout the rest of this text are not for you. If you have not been raised with Christ, you have no claim on the peace that he provides. If you have not been raised with Christ, you have no claim to his victory. You see, this is a very big if. We cannot skip over this two letter conjunction. And let me say, I know that in the culture we are in, that this may sound as if I am being offensive. In a world in which we believe we should all receive everything, it can be offensive to say that something is not yours. But while you may be offended in the moment, how unloving would it be for me to tell you that you have something when I know that you don't? How sinister! Would it be for me to sell you fool's gold while telling you it's priceless jewelry? When I was a youth pastor, we had a... uh, Christmas party in which all of the students got some really ridiculous gifts what I did is I went to the Salvation Army and I just picked up every interesting looking trinket I could find on the on the the, the the wall there and I filled up my basket and I, I took them home I wanted the kids to laugh at these insane figurines and prizes that they would get in this time and most of the kids opened it up and just thought it was ridiculous to have a a, a, a toad salt shaker right like that, that was, it was really funny But I'll never forget what happened with one of the youth. He started unwrapping the gift. And as he was unwrapping it, I could see his eyelids open and open and open. This was the best moment of his life. He ripped through the rest of the paper and he held his unwrapped box up in the air and he shouted to the group, it's an iPhone! tore open the box and found that inside that iPhone box was nothing more than a Happy Meal toy. You see, I thought when I put the gifts together, it'd be funny. I didn't think anybody would seriously think that on my budget, I would be able to afford an iPhone to give away as a gift. Thought we'd all have a laugh and eventually we did. But I'll never forget the look of disappointment on his face when he realized that what he thought he had and what he actually got were two very different things. On that day, I learned not to play with the students' emotions like that. Even still, we were eventually able to laugh about it. But if you're given false hope from some pastor, some book, some faith leader, some philosophy, or some seminar, there will be no laughing when the results have surfaced. In fact, False hope only leads to weeping and gnashing. The reality we are faced with in this fallen world is that we are surrounded by charlatans who will sell you a bill of goods with a smile on their face. I can't do that. You matter too much to be lied to. The reality we are confronted with in just this first little two-letter word is that there are some who have been raised with Christ and there are some who have not. Now that we understand the binary premise of this verse, we have to answer two important questions. First, how does one end up on the positive side of this condition? Secondly, what does it actually mean to be raised with Christ? Well, we can find both the answers to these questions in the book of Romans. First, how is one raised with Christ? To answer that, I would point you to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. When we talk about being raised with Christ, we are talking about being saved by Christ through faith in him. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been graced with right standing before God. Through faith in Christ, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, as we see in this verse. When we talk about faith in Jesus Christ, we are talking about knowing that Jesus is the Son of God, who died to pay the price of the sins of all those who believe in him. It's also assenting to his commands as Lord of your life. That is following him. So it's knowing and following. And then thirdly, trusting in his goodness, in his person, in his ability to save. Faith in Christ is not an isolated, fleeting decision, but receiving and resting on him alone for salvation. You are raised with Christ when you have a deep, real faith in him. But this still doesn't exactly explain what it means to be raised with him. We can also find that explanation in the book of Romans and this time in chapter six. If you look at Romans six, verse four, you'll see it's written, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. Romans 6.4 is a beautiful verse with much to unpack, but I'm going to try to be quick for our purposes this morning. We, what we're seeing is the practical application of what it means to be raised with Christ. When this verse says baptized into death, it's talking about being identified with Christ through faith. In his life, death, and resurrection, water baptism is a picture of this supernatural reality and a public declaration that symbolizes what God has done in our lives through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Christ, we have died to the old life and the schemes of the fallen world. And we have been commissioned and empowered to walk in a newness of life. We have died to that old life and been raised anew in Christ. There your position as raised is sealed and you are given an unshakable hope to those who have been raised with Christ. You are graced with the ability to walk in newness of life. You can say that simple world ain't my home no more. What a grace that is. There truly is new life in Christ Jesus. One theologian said, Christ's death for sin became our death to sin. Christ's, Christ's death for sin became our death to sin. And that death, through that death, we are enabled to walk. And newness of life. Go back to Colossians 1. If then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. I hope that the, uh, uh, the, the, at this point. The binary reality has been explained. We've been confronted with. In just those first two letters of this verse 1. And I hope that you have understood that. This is a very big if. You must know which side of the delineator you are on. But before we go any further, I want to explain one more aspect of this if. For those who have been raised with Christ through faith in him, that is knowledge, assent, and trust in him, this if is not just a condition. It's a promise. If you know Jesus Christ, if you have been raised with Christ, the rest of what we're going to talk about this morning is not simply theory. It's a promise for those who have been saved by grace through faith. You can read this verse as saying this morning, you can replace the if with a because. 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 You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is as he has the right hand of God. Because you have been raised with Christ. Everything else we were talking about this morning is because you have been raised with Christ. This is reality for all those who've been raised with him. You've been given a vision, a seal, and a hope. And I'm going to unpack what those things are here in just a moment. Let's look at those wondrous gifts, starting with a vision. Look at Colossians 1, 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Those who have been raised with Christ are given the vision of glory. Those who have been raised with Christ are enabled to turn their eyes towards him. You ever heard that phrase, you can't see the forest through the trees? It means someone can't see the entirety of their situation because they're locked in on, uh, on a particular issue or a detail. When we're dead in our sin, our focus is limited and stuck on the wrong things. We get caught up in the minutiae. Well, in verses 1 and 2, those who have been raised with Christ are instructed to view their circumstances, the things they're going through, in light of the glory of Christ. This is looking at life with a heavenly perspective. Now, what does this mean in practicality? It's, it sounds really nice. Brad, you're telling us have a heavenly vision. Okay, whatever that means. How does this play out in the life of the one who's been raised with Christ? Well, first, it does not mean that the challenges in your everyday life go away. The rent is still going to be due. The person in your office is still going to tell stories about you at the water cooler. There is not a pastor out here who can guarantee you that you will not go through uncomfortable and challenging times. And if they do, they're one of those charlatans I was talking about earlier. So having a heavenly vision does not change our surroundings. What it does is change our focus. With a heavenly vision... The Christian is enabled to gaze upon the glory of Christ. They still face challenges in life, but the challenges are small in light of the glory of Christ. That's why Christians should be the most reasonable people on the planet. Things may not go our way in the moment. Decisions are made in the governmental offices we do not agree with. There are challenges to be had. There are people who are hurting others. But y'all, this place is not our home. Glory is waiting. When whether we are hitting a bump in the road or at the top mountain of our life, Christians are enabled to gaze upon the glory of Christ. And oh, what a view it is. The Christian gets to look to Christ. We get to see his example. We get to follow his commands. We get to seek the things that are above, the things that honor him. We don't have to go back to that sinful, bitter well of living we used to be in. Because we've been given a vision of something greater, something better. And that something is Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in the last part of verse one. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. The one who has been raised with Christ understands him to be Savior and Lord. Well, what do those mean? Because he is Lord, we seek the things that are honorable to him. We follow his direction. He is Lord. He has the right to tell us what we should do because it is profitable for us and gives him glory. He is Lord of our lives. And we can be rest assured that he is our Savior because he is seated at the right hand of God. Christ lived and died to pay the price of sin for all those who believe in him. He arose from the grave and ascended into heaven by the glory of the Father to assure us of our own eternal life and resurrection. And you know where Jesus is right now? This verse is written, this part of the verse is written in a present tense. You know where Jesus is right now? He's in the highest position of honor, majesty, and authority. Sitting at the right hand of the Father. This should give those with a heavenly perspective such peace and such joy. Do you realize the significance of what it means to say that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father? Do you realize what this means for those of us who have been raised with him? Spurgeon explained the implications of this for believers. He wrote, because of this, let us rise and rest with him. He is sitting on a throne Observe his majesty, delight in his power, and trust in his dominion. He is sitting at the right hand of God in the place of honor and favor. There is a proof that we are beloved and favored of God, for our representative has the choicest place at the right hand of God. Let your hearts ascend and enjoy that love and favor with him. Take wing my thoughts and fly away to Jesus. When we have been raised with Christ, by faith in him, we've been given heavenly vision to gaze upon his glory despite the murky mess around us. That's the intent behind verse two. Because of Jesus Christ, we're enabled and empowered to set our minds on, that is, hone our affections, to prioritize, when we say set our minds on things that are above, to Prioritize heavenly things beyond our earthly struggles. This is more than just occasionally peeking at heavenly things. This is telling the Christian to hone their thinking prowess, their rationality, their whole purpose and action of mind. Direct all of that towards the things that are glorifying to the Lord. We didn't sing it this morning, but this idea is captured in a song we've been singing recently. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If you have been raised with Christ, you have been given a heavenly vision. Gaze upon his glory. Look with me at verse 3. Verse three says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. We've already seen that those who have been raised with Christ are given a heavenly vision. Here we see that their position is sealed. They've been given a seal of their place. Before we get to the seal, I want to notice here that Paul begins with a glance backwards. This is a reminder that believers have died. We have died to sin. We've died to the powers and the lies of this world. That is the old business. That's the has been part. We have died to that. We have died to trying to make it by our own power, by trying to figure it out on our own. We have died. And then comes a glimpse to the here and now. Paul writes, you have died and now your life is Your life is written in the sense of is right now. So we went from the past. Now we're here in the present. The reality, the present reality for all believers is that their lives are right now in this very moment, hidden in Christ Jesus. This term hidden means that something is completely uh, concealed or unseen. It is untouchable. This weekend, I was given the privilege of attending a a child's birthday party at a place called Foam Warriors. Everyone there is given a Nerf gun, and you're given these games to play. You're put on teams to face off against one another. And one of the games that we played here was freeze tag. And so everybody had their little Nerf gun, and if you got hit, then you had to freeze where you were and put a hand out, and you couldn't move until someone tagged your hand. Let me tell you, these are Fierce competitions. They require the highest of strategies. In one of these battles in particular. I ended up forming an alliance. With a valiant warrior. Who worked amazingly well with me. I'm a pretty big guy. Okay. At least in this context. And my compadre was maybe six years old. (laughs) So this little guy got behind me. And he was completely hidden. Every time. I got shot. He was right there to tag me right back into the game. Our strategy was working. It was pew, pew, pew. Oh, they got me here, here. I'm right back in. Every time I was ready to get right back in the action, everything was working perfectly until we got bum rushed by about six players and they took both of us out before we could tag the other back in. I will never forget you, young warrior. (laughs) See, I was able to hide them for a while. It was working really good, but I wasn't big enough. I wasn't able to completely conceal my compadre. But when we have been raised with Christ, your life is hidden in him and he will always be big enough. There is nothing that can take away your position before God when your life is hidden with Christ. If you have been raised with Christ, understand that such a reality is sealed today, tomorrow, and forever. No one can pluck you from the Father's hand. You are completely and irrevocably hidden with Christ in God. You're sealed. But there's still more. Go to verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We have seen that those who have been raised with Christ have been given a heavenly vision. Our lives are then sealed with Christ in God. And now we are shown the hope that propels us through all circumstances. Notice the timeline progression between verses 3 and 4. You have died. Your life is hidden. And now in verse 4, when Christ comes, we got the past, the present and the future. One commentary notes, the believer's identification with Christ brings not only a past break with sin and a present security, it is also meaning a glorious future. Christians are given the perspective to handle the challenges of today with the hope of the eternal glory that is to come. Listen, there are. Quite a few different views on the end times, all of which supported by theologians that are much smarter than me. I will not uh, try to have that debate at this time. But one thing that every eschatological, every end times view agrees on. Jesus is coming again. And what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. If you have been raised with Christ, then you can and should have a little pep in your step. Because you're going through a challenge today, but glory is coming tomorrow. The heavenly vision, the seal, and the hope given to believers are a great grace of God. It is a great gift that God would give us such things. They are more than we can ever hope for or ask for as we go through life in this fallen world. Let it be known, if you have been raised with Christ, you can still have peace during contentious conversations at Thanksgiving Day. If you have been raised with Christ, you can accomplish your work without lying or scheming to get a leg up on the competition. If you've been raised with Christ, you can have hope when you are dealing with the sting of loss. But also let it be known this. Those benefits are great. They're great personal gifts from the God who loved us enough to save us, to raise us with Christ. But let it be known this story we are talking about is not about you. We walked through four verses this morning. Four times in four verses, Paul mentions Christ. Let it be known Jesus Christ is central and supreme. Believers, this life with all the gifts, the benefits, the graces, the blessings of God above, this life isn't about you. The lives that we have been given are to be lived for his glory. Our salvation is for his glory. Our vision is to his glory. We are sealed by his glory. Our hope is in his glory if you have been raised with Christ, it is because you have been identified with Him. Our lives are transformed by Him. To Him be the glory forever. I've shown this graphic before, but I thought it would be pertinent to show again today. There in the bottom circle, there's a Three pointed design above that little bubble that is entitled Jesus. That three pointed design represents Jesus as sovereign, Jesus as king. And that king stepped down out of glory. To bring a people stuck in brokenness, stuck in our sin that separates us from God and to take those who believe in him through repentance, believing and confessing their sins to restore them back to the perfect God. And in what Christ has done for us, we have been given that heavenly vision to follow him, to obey him, to grow in him. And it is all giving glory to the king who died for us. Jesus is king. What a grace it is that the one for all, through all, to all things were made would live, die, and rise again to bring sinners like you and I, undeserving, unable to do it on our own, to bring us into a right relationship with God. I want to remind you what it says in Colossians chapter one about Jesus. We read through this as we prayed this morning. Jesus is the image of the invisible God himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross the preeminent majestic Jesus died so that all those who believe in him will be reconciled to God he died so that that if statement would even be a possibility so the question I ask as we conclude have you been raised with Christ? Do you have faith that he is Savior and Lord? If you want to talk more about that, reach out today. Do not linger. There is no other way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to proclaim your word. Lord, I pray that your word was effectively explained, that you were given all the glory in all of this. That everything we do would be done for you. All things were created by you. All things were created for you. Lord, it's my prayer that you are drawing sinners unto yourself. You are showing us our need for a Savior, and that that need can only be met through what Christ has done for us. Or maybe look back to what Christ has done to pay for our sin and those. Who have faith in him, Lord, may we look forward to where we're going in his glory and understand that right now, Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for all those who have faith in him. Lord, I pray that we would vocally, publicly, proudly proclaim, not ourselves, but Christ and Christ crucified. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Durban Memorial Baptist Church Podcast. If you want to find out more about our church, you can check out www.durbanchurch.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can give us a call or text to 859-813-0369. Also, you can shoot us an email at brad at org. Have a wonderful day and God bless.